For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So you've been pretty vocal about uh, your dislike of all things Ohio. Me and just you. Me and everybody that lives in the great state of Michigan. Nope, you're completely alone in this thought. We've really. It seems like we've been doing this a lot more lately, though. <laughs> well, I think they just they've been coming up a lot. Our our neighbors just to the south and east a little there. Yep. Uh, There's always some crazy news story um, pretty much on the daily. The the Florida of the North. (laughs) I think that's a joke. Uh, Or Florida's the Ohio of the South. Either way. Yeah. Interchangeable. Uh, Um, But residents in one Michigan town must drive through Ohio first. It's kind of like a lost peninsula. Yeah. To get to another part of Michigan. It's one of those weird geography things. Of course, uh, the official state motto of our great state is, if you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. And true, it is quite pleasant, but its layout is also kind of confusing. Yeah. Uh, In our time living in uh, various states uh, across the Midwest, uh, we found that uh, most Americans don't even realize Michigan is shaped like a hand. They also have no clue that the Upper Peninsula isn't part of Wisconsin or possibly even Canada. And then there was that time Wisconsin decided to say we look like a mitten, too. Yeah, the other mitten state, I think not. We had to take a break from Ohio and deal with them. Yeah, (laughs) I know. It was very distracting. But if you look at Michigan on the map, uh, you can understand why non-Michigan residents would be a little confused. And when you take a closer look at the map on the east side of the state, you might notice something you've never realized before. There is a small section of Michigan that is actually only accessible through Ohio. Yeah. Now, uh, Michigan is the long-standing feud with Ohio. Simply mention the words Ohio State or Buckeyes, and any Michigander will turn their nose up. <laughs> However, our beef with the entire state of Ohio goes beyond school rivalries. It literally goes back to a war with Ohio in 1835, all over the city of Toledo. It's Why a, are we bitter over that? It's a Michigan story people love to learn. and know. I bet if you... Ask somebody, what's one thing that happened in Michigan history that you're aware of more than anything? It would probably be the Toledo War. And that we're surrounded by lakes. And that we're, yeah. (laughs) So, of course, that was a boundary dispute uh, between the state of Ohio and Michigan, which was a territory at the time. Both states were claiming jurisdiction over the region known as the Toledo Strip. And even the president of the United States had to get involved uh, the the funny thing is, it was a war that had no casualties. Thank goodness. <laughs> Just a lot of yelling. <laughs> uh, some serious taunting and one upmanship. But in the end, Toledo went to Ohio with the trade-off being the Upper Peninsula would go to Michigan. And the joke is on Ohio because who doesn't love the UP? We may not have pasties if this hadn't happened. Exactly. <laughs> so about the Lost Peninsula... Uh, Due to that border dispute between the two states, there was a small section of land, about 250 acres is all it is, that got lost in the shuffle. And the land itself is attached to and only accessible via Ohio, but technically it sits above the Ohio border in the waters of North Maumee Bay, which makes it part of Michigan. Only 140 Michiganders live in the Lost Peninsula, but in order to get back to the rest of Michigan, residents must first make a 10-minute drive south into Ohio's Lucas County before they can head north to the Mitten. 
Isn't that weird? Do they have somewhere for you to stop and take a shower right when you get back into Michigan? <laughs> oh, come on. That's going a little far. <laughs> Those who reside in the Lost Peninsula have water and sewer access, so they can take a shower if they want. Provided by the city of Toledo. Oh, maybe you don't want to use that water. But children who attend schools in Michigan uh, must ride their bus through Ohio and into Michigan. It's, it's just a weird geography thing. It is a weird thing. Um, you know, we've heard of some other north, northwest angle regarding Minnesota and Canada, but uh, had no idea something like this was happening right here. Yeah, there's a section of Minnesota where you actually have to go into Canada to get back to this part of Minnesota, which is a lot more complicated. Because You know, and that's the thing is a lot of people talk about securing the borders and many don't realize that our borders to the north are probably the least secured and that there are people that try to get into the U.S. via other countries from all over the world. And they go to Canada first because it's easier to get into the United States through that border than trying to go through Mexico or some other places. Well, and another fun one I like, There's, I think this is Georgia and Tennessee. There's, yeah. there's a bar that happens to be right on the border. I but- wonder if it's still the case, but uh, that border that it's on, uh, one is it a county or city? Uh, one of them is a dry town. So <laughs> to, in order to go to the restroom of this bar, you have to leave your drink on the other side. Yeah, like it's some weird stuff. Yeah, they have the border draw, uh, like right tape, in the bar tape yeah. or something that you use. Like- Isn't there <laughs> a library too, like in Maine that shares uh, a border with Canada? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's in two countries, this one building, I think it is a library. And so there's some complicated things there about where you can be and not be weird yeah. stuff. I love this kind of stuff though. And if you want to check out more about this uh, unique area of Michigan that requires a trip to Ohio to get to, you can find the article on our website, uh, 953wbck.com or on the WBCK app. We're going to take a quick break and be back with a look at your news and weather. Good morning and joining us now, it's Annie Kelly from the Calhoun County Visitors Bureau. How are you doing today, Annie? Doing great. And Easter's coming a little bit later this year. Yes, it is. So I guess that gives the Easter bunny a little extra time to hide all those eggs. Um, it's going to be really busy over the next couple of weeks. So if you're looking for an egg event, uh, we've got three on our radar. Uh, this Saturday, you can head to Riverside Elementary at noon. The Easter egg hunt is going to have three age categories. So that's going to be up for everyone from three years old to 17 years old. Um, and there are also going to be races, egg dyeing, a bounce house, and a chance to meet the Easter bunny. And um, that event is sponsored by Homes Fitness and Invigorating Touch. And then on Sunday, Woodland Church is going to have thousands of eggs, and they're going to be hidden all over the church grounds. And that begins at 1 p.m., and it's for kids in preschool through fourth grade. But then one of the most popular Easter egg events uh, is at Cornwall's Turkeyville. It's in Marshall. And this year it's going to be on April 16th. So registration opens at 10 a.m. And like I said, it's popular. So make sure um, you get there early enough to register. Then the hunt begins at 11 a.m. And you can bring a basket or a bag to collect your eggs. And the eggs are going to be filled with candy or maybe a ticket for free ice cream or a ticket for a prize. Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful and lots of chances uh, to catch the Easter bunny. Yes. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of sugar-happy children running around all month. (laughs) While they're running around, maybe you could head downtown with them. 
Yes. We have uh, two new colorful shops in downtown, so it's a great time to visit. Um, Margarita 1014 and their looms, which may uh, sound familiar, and that's because they were both at BC Cargo for the past couple summers. Um, personally, I've bought dresses from Margarita, uh, and I love their jewelry and shoe selection, and um, just great... Great shopping, and it's all at thrift store prices, which I also like. Oh, you've got my attention now. (laughs) Yes. Marcella has great choice. Um, She's the shop owner, and she's also expanded the selection for special occasions, such as Quincenera, which um, she showed me some pictures of the dresses they wear, and they're just like fairy tale ball gowns. So that's really fun to see. Um, And then Their Looms is part of the ARC Calhoun office. If you're not familiar with ARC, they serve those with intellectual and developmental disabilities in the community. So you can go and buy some like fun decorative pieces and refurbished furniture there. And the sales are not only going to help ARC, but the people who helped with the work. And that's the um, community they serve. Um, and we, I really like the colors that they've been using. They've got everything from like a deep azure to a lime green. You know, I think it's wonderful. I was actually um, on their social media page checking out some of the items that they have up for sale and that they've redone, and they're absolutely fabulous. Yes, yeah, I think they. I'm sure they look better than they did when they were original, <laughs> when they were originally made. Um, and you know, while you're downtown, there's just all the businesses that we've talked about before. So. You can also go to Rice's Shoes, Simply Sensational Berries, Handmap Brewing, Torty Taco, Bread and Basket, Cafe Rica, and more. And, you know, if you're downtown during the week, you can stop by the Battle Creek Welcome Center. And one great thing we have is a tour guide for the many murals that are around town. So you can go downtown, go shopping, you know, get a drink, and walk around and look at the murals. And it's actually uh, time well spent. It's a great place to walk around and take in all of the beautiful murals, the different types of businesses, maybe check out some that uh, you haven't been in before. Yeah. Well, Annie Kelly. The weather's getting warm. Yes, uh, another added bonus. Well, Annie Kelly from the Calhoun County Visitors Bureau, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We'll be talking to you again real soon. So uh, some fun news about a new place coming to Marshall. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marshall Township, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marshall's soon going to have their own Dairy Queen location. Yeah. Uh, and they did have one a while back. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. This new one is actually going to be located uh, where the Burger King was that closed, what was that, a couple of years ago, right? I think it might be longer than a couple of years. Uh, I could be mistaken, though. Um, but yeah, it's not the first Dairy Queen for Marshall. There was one located at 402 Austin Avenue during the 1960s. It's unclear when that location closed, but uh, um, there was a social media group that uh, shared a photo of the original Dairy Queen that was in Marshall. And uh, a lot of the commenters had fun reminiscing about their first jobs in the summertime there. Mm, that was probably a fun time. Uh, this one, uh, the address is 15998 Michigan Avenue. That's where that Burger King location was. They're going to get to work converting that 
into a Dairy Queen, and uh, it'll be opening sometime in July. Is yeah, they said that they're going to have it open in ninety days, and that was already a couple days ago. So that yeah, that's really fast. Well, they want to get it out there so that when that hot weather gets here, people can cool down with a nice tasty treat. Of course, Dairy Queen uh, has other offerings. Yeah, they do. Uh, but as we said, uh, no exact opening date. But uh, there were some residents that were kind of uh, concerned about a business that's already there um, called True North Ice Cream. Um, but uh, some of the commenters also pointed out uh, they're kind of doing their own thing there. It's not the same as Dairy Queen, and they're so great that they have nothing to worry about, too. Yeah, True North Ice Cream very specifically focused on ice cream and Dairy Queen, although offering ice cream, uh, they do other things like burgers and other hot dogs and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, True North is probably a little bit more of your old-fashioned type ice yeah. cream stop. Uh, they're hand-scooping everything. They do have soft serve there as well, um, but they also have like coffee drinks and uh, sundaes and things like that. And uh, um, Dairy Queen, of course, doesn't have traditional ice cream. They do soft serve ice cream. Yep, and we actually learned a little bit about that. They were featured on the Food That Built America <laughs> Uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a very interesting story uh, about uh, coming up with uh, the different flavors and how they came up with soft serve to even to begin with. Yeah, it was, um, it was just a, a lot of those old food stories. It was either an accident or uh, uh, sometimes a mishap that led to these. I think in that case, uh, something melted that wasn't supposed to. And he was like, yeah, well, hey. ice cream was uh, traditionally like rock hard. And uh, a guy was out. Uh, it wasn't uh, traditional soft serve ice cream, but he, he his machine broke down and he had all this ice cream he had to sell quick. And people seemed to be buying it faster when it was half melted. So he's like, hmm, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> onto something. Your weather today, mostly cloudy, occasional rain showers, winds from the southwest up to 20 miles per hour, a high in the mid-40s. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers still possible, low in the upper 30s. Tomorrow, rain and snow possible early, then overcast with flurries and a high in the lower 40s. Right now, cloudy skies. It's 41 degrees and feels like 34 with uh, some spotty rain showers just kind of hanging in the area. Hanging out. And uh, we'll have your cash code word, the first one of the day, coming up in about 30 minutes. But first, we're going to share some state history on fishing and fishing licenses. Yeah, I mean, you know that I love to go fishing. You know, you're quite gifted, too. You get very lucky. I wouldn't even call it just luck. I think you have a natural instinct. You are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I have some uh, fishing uh, in my family uh, yes. ancestry. I had a, it would have been my great-grandfather. Uh, he passed before I was born. I never knew him. Uh, but he was a semi-professional uh, angler in Michigan back in the early 1900s. Um, I've mentioned this probably a couple of times. He was actually friends with Tiger legend Ty Cobb. Yeah, who would come yeah. up and go fishing with him? Yeah, your your great grandfather great grandfather. Yep, on my um, mom's side. Yep. He he uh, had an understanding of Ty and uh, would keep his presence kind of unknown. He could go there and kind of hide out. Yeah, wouldn't have to worry about people wanting to you know get autographs yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so it's just a fun story. It's one of those ones I, I'm going to take a deeper look into it and talk to some of my family members who know more about this story and. Um, if I can get permission, I would love to write an article about it's it. It's kind of a tough situation <laughs> because if, if, you know, their friendship was built on this trust of, uh, you know, his private life and all of that, you, you know, you don't want to 
perhaps break that trust even even now. Yeah, but there could be a way to do it. It's one of yeah. those things that I've had on the back burner because I think it would be you know, fascinating to share. You know what would be amazing? What's that? To go fish in the spot that they used to love to go to. Uh, I think that's an excellent idea. So maybe I'll look into that. But um, the other day, uh, or actually, what was it? April 1st is when the 2022 fishing season in Michigan kicked On April off. Fool's Day? Are you kidding me? That's how they do it. <laughs> that's a horrible idea. You have to renew your license and uh, what's great is, you know, back then you had to carry it around, you had to go to the store. Now they have online options. You can even set it up to automatically renew, which is what I do. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have to do anything. They just take the money out of my account and, and uh, I can if I'm out and about and I have my phone with me, I can show the license right on my phone. What do you do, though, if you don't have internet service? Because I know a lot of the places that uh, you and I have gone to, we don't have real good signal. It saves it onto your phone uh, separate from the internet. It's, ah. it's like, um, I'm trying to think. Like downloading a file. Basically, yeah. And so you just tap it and it just pops up the barcode and they can scan it if you run into a DNR officer or something. So it's a very uh, neat feature, something to consider. Um, but I got wondering, how long has fishing licenses been required in Michigan? Because I had no idea. And the crazy thing is, I could not find much information about this, no. uh, despite numerous searches on the internet. Yeah, apparently the first concern was over commercial fishing. Yep, that was in 1865. The state of Michigan um, originally issued commercial licenses, but at that time did not require them for recreational fishing. Uh, the requirement generally was in place to make sure that fees and taxes and revenues were generated from the commercial industry uh, so they could keep track of it. Uh, but again, at that time, it was not in place uh, for recreation or to protect uh, resources. That's kind of interesting. It wasn't until 1929 a large number of individuals were now generating income from commercial fishing. Estimates were in the tens of thousands. This level of commercial use combined with technological advancements led to the first real commercial fishing law of substance that year. Yep, that law now required that all persons fishing commercially or recreationally on Michigan's waters or on the Great Lakes, had to be licensed. And this is also when minimum size limits for fish and season closures were established as well. Yeah, in fact, it was hard to find more information about this uh, while searching for the fishing history of Michigan. So if anyone has more information about this, I mean, can we just call a DNR officer? Uh, Shouldn't they be required to have this memorized? <laughs> I'm going to call all the DNR officers I can find phone numbers for, and I'm going to quiz them on this. Yeah, everything I found was related to commercial yeah. fishing. And it's a hard search on Google and other search engines because if you type Michigan fishing history, uh, usually what's going to come up is more stuff about Native Americans and mm -hmm. stuff related to fishing, not licensing. Yeah. And if I typed in licensing, the only thing that kept coming up was commercial. commercial. Yeah. Uh, nothing recreational. Now, I did do a search of early Michigan fishing licenses, mm -hmm. and I'm probably going to do a follow-up to this in the next few weeks because there's people selling them on eBay. Really? And the original licenses weren't on a piece of paper. It was actually like a pin. Huh. That you would put and it would say, you know, Michigan uh, recreation license and it would have the year on it. And there were different colors, kind of like they do with the stickers. With the tabs uh, for the passports into the state parks and stuff. Or, or like the license plates. Yeah. yeah. Like one year it was yellow, one year it was green. So I'm going to gather some of those. And um, uh, but through that and through this article, I did get a few people that said, you know, 1929 
is the year. But like, I wanted to know how much did it cost and you know, what were some of the other unique things? So this yeah. is something I'm going to further explore uh just again because i like fishing and i like history so why not combine the two things right so what do you know about the prices i i don't i don't know anything about how much they cost back then um and again i'm hoping some of the people who are listening maybe now can get on our facebook page uh the articles there and uh, you could leave a comment or send me in the right direction or like you said i could maybe reach out to the dnr and explore it further um, I know that uh, it's a little more expensive for uh, non-residents to fish here. Yep, and that's common anywhere you go. Um, in fact, remember when we lived in West Virginia? Yeah. Um, I did not purchase a fishing license when we moved there. Uh, or no, I, I I purchased a daily license when yeah. we lived there, but my friend came and visited to go fishing and <laughs> was a little bit surprised at how expensive it was for him to get a day pass to fish while he was there. Yeah, in Michigan, it's uh, $76 if you don't live here. Ooh. Well, that's the price you pay, I guess. Well, that's for an annual pass. That's not just a day pass, uh, but uh, for regular residents, an annual year-round pass, I think is a pretty good deal, $26. It is, and they changed it a few years ago. What they used to do is they had a basic license, and then they had one that was more expensive that included all species. Mm -hmm. I think the basic license excluded salmon and maybe a couple of others. I don't remember, but I, I think it was like 15, and then the... Uh, all species one was 30 or 35. And so a few years ago, they said, let's just make it one. Uh, it's less confusing. And uh, they settled on $26. And that's uh, what it remains at. Um, but here's some of the current guidelines uh, that you should know. You have to be 17 or older to purchase a fishing license in Michigan. If you're younger, you can fish without a license, but you have to follow all the same rules and regulations. Uh, the Michigan annual fishing license is valid. You know, I screwed up March 1st of a given year through March 31st. I was going to say, April 1st is a horrible day for that. Or you know what? I think I typoed. It's April 1st through March 31st uh, of the following year. Okay. So I just found something I got to fix in my article. Great work to do after work. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so spearfishing <laughs> is kind of a different one. Yeah, and that is something I have not participated in. Uh, but underwater spearfishing, whether you're a resident or not, is free. Hmm. Uh, but... Yeah, you may have a D- may have to have a DNR sport card, uh, and it does require a monthly effort and harvest reporting. So there's other things you have to do, even though it is free. I do like that it uh, for seniors or uh, those that are legally blind, you can get a little bit. You don't have to pay quite as much, and the same for kids too. Yeah, it's eleven dollars uh, for seniors, or if you're legally blind. Um, and yeah, if you're under seventeen, uh, youth license is two dollars. And daily all species uh, licenses for residents and non-residents. It's kind of strange that it's the same price, ten dollars. Yeah, for a daily license, but there's a big difference for the all-year license. Right, but why would somebody be here all year if they're just coming here to fish? Maybe I mean, I I actually think it's smart that uh, non-residents don't have to pay an exorbitant fee because you know I can imagine for those that uh, want to, you know, come visit and uh, check out the state. Uh, that could be a deterrent if they were interested in coming and fishing and it was just crazy to buy a one-day fishing license. I think it, the all-year for non-residents is probably people that maybe come up and stay for the entire summer and maybe they live in Florida. They're officially Florida residents. I'm, I'm picking on Florida, I guess. Somewhere else in the country, but they spend their summers in Michigan. Maybe they're retired. That could be. So that's why they, have to, that's why they would buy an all-year one. I'm not sure. Well... I think it's time we take a, a quick break so we can come back and check your weather. <laughs> there's, 
There's a new site that hopes to connect consumers with local farms in Michigan. Yeah. It seems like uh, most of us would love to consistently eat fresh, organic, and locally grown foods. But there's factors like cost and availability that can get in the way. Uh, But now there's a website that will try to connect farmers to consumers locally and around the state. Farm to Table Foodie. Yep, it was established in uh, February of 2022, not very long ago. It acts as a nutritional blog as well as a source to connect local farms with their community. So if you're wondering how it started, uh, it looks like Farm to Table Foodie came to be after the founder and nutritionalist was feeling frustrated with the amount of work it took to find local farm to table foods, not just for themselves, but for their clients as well. Yeah, and that's uh, how it was born uh, so why was it needed? As mentioned, a lot of people want to get locally grown food, but may not know how to find it outside of the typical farmer's markets that typically happen on weekends and, of course, um, only in the, the warmer months. With Farm to Table Foodie, you'll be able to find local farmers in your area, learn how they operate, and even where to purchase their products. And the web, the website separates Michigan by region and then by county so, uh, for example, in southwest Michigan, here's a couple that you can find. Yes, uh, Jack's Farms, and that's in Kalamazoo County. It's owned by the Solis family. They sell chicken and duck eggs from free-range birds. And you can contact them. There's even a phone number there. Oof. And then uh, over in Calhoun County, we got Mitten Creek Farm here, and that's owned by Drew and Heather Phillips. They sell pasteurized poultry and pork, all non-GMO. And they are also expanding to fruits and veggies and herbs in uh, this year. Yeah, this is a really cool idea. I love it. Uh, Those are the local farms that have joined so far in our area. Of course, uh, like we said, this is a fairly new website. So I bet many other farms will be added to it. It's something we'll have to keep an eye on. And uh, we may have to get into this ourselves. It's been a while since we bought farm fresh eggs, Lacey. <laughs> I know. And what the saddest part about all of this is that I have a sister that has a plethora of chickens. <laughs> right. And we just never make it down there to pick up some eggs from her. But uh, we definitely should. Uh, we need to get back into that habit. Yeah, There's cause... just so much. Something's different about a, a farm fresh egg. And farm fresh anything for that matter. Well, but yeah. My favorite part is how it almost looks like painted Easter eggs. Sometimes. Oh, yes, get, with the different colors. Yeah, the yes. brown and green and Nancy, blue. Nancy, I'm not a fan of the, the green and blue so much. I, I definitely prefer the brown eggs. But <laughs> I think that's mind-blowing is that uh, when you compare the colors, if you were to crack open the egg, uh, one of a store-bought and one of a farm-fresh egg, the difference that you will see just looking at the, the inside of it. The yolk has a really deeper, like, yellow. Richer color. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there is some, you get the double yolks, too, more often uh, with the farm fresh eggs, too, it seems like. Yeah, it does seem like that. Um, but anyway, so check out uh, this uh, site called Farm to Foodie. Is that what it was? Did I get it right? Yeah, Farm to Table Foodie. Uh, there's a link to it on our website, so you can check out those local farms and phone numbers. And if you want to start finding this stuff, that's an easy way to do it. Well, I think it's time we take a quick break. Perhaps we'll have your cash code in just a moment. Stick around. I would love to check out the Hollywood Walk of Fame, um, if I can be on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, what are you going to get on it for? <laughs> I have not earned it. Uh, I, I mean, I've actually <laughs> been in a movie. That's true. You have a, you have more of a case. And it was actually my hand. So, <laughs> um. No, we uh, we came close to California on our wedding trip to Nevada. Mm-hmm. We were probably, what, 
40 miles away. We, I don't even think it was that far. We thought about, gee, we should maybe just take a quick drive, jump over but the border. But you know, to- I'm one of those people that I'm like, um, I don't want to tempt fate. I have this fear of <laughs> earthquakes and... You're going to trigger the earthquake? I, I, it's not that I personally will trigger, trigger the earthquake. It's just the type of luck I have at times. <laughs> uh, an earthquake would hit at that moment and it would be like the biggest, most monstrous one and nobody would know where we were. They I would mean, just think we were missing if the, something happened. The one they've been saying is going to happen like yeah yeah i mean we're way overdue i i mean there's so many fault lines that are overdue for the next big one at this point i don't even want to think about it yeah well if you do venture to california uh you could check out the uh hollywood walk of fame or you could stay right here in michigan because traverse city has their very own hollywood walk of fame yeah, uh, save you a whole bunch of money, that's for sure. <laughs> um, the Traverse City Walk of Fame uh, features handprints of the stars, and it's outside the historic State Theater, not the one here in uh, Kalamazoo, but over in uh, Traverse City, where they have their annual Traverse City Film Festival. There are square concrete slabs with handprints and signatures from a whole lot of Hollywood stars. Yep, they include people like Madonna, John Waters, Roseanne, Roger Corman, and even... Bill Donahue. Ah. There's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Isn't he retiring? <laughs> well, he, I mean, he had that talk show for... Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Maury uh, Povich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's yeah. retiring. He's, I think Phil Donahue has been retired. He has been, but it's funny because his show was on when I was younger and my mom always had it on and I, all I remember is his bright white hair and his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had like white blonde hair and then he went, uh, I think, gray kind of prematurely. And I always found him intimidating. Him? Just, again, I was a lot younger. Okay. I was on the TV and I was like. I just remember what some of the shows were like and I was just like, this is crazy. It was kind of cutting edge for what yeah. happened to the daytime talk format. So of course, kind of went off the deep end with some of the other shows. Uh, but anyway, yeah, if you want to check out this Hollywood Walk of Fame that is in Michigan and doesn't require a trip to California, we have some information about it on our website and uh, as well as a gallery of a bunch of celebrities you may not know are from Michigan that you can check out all in one there. Yeah, and uh, another kind of funny tidbit that we'll just touch on real quick. Um, there's been an ongoing April Fool's joke that's happened, <laughs> I want to say, at least five years now. Um, but uh, there's a viral video of orcas swimming around Lake Michigan. Yeah, um, it's called the Great Whale Migration. Um, I, th- I think it's a Facebook group that started just... The Great Lakes Whale m- Migration. Okay, that's yeah. what it is. And so basically these people have superimposed uh, photos of whales. Um, Sometimes sharks. And sharks and <laughs> killer whales, Yeah, all sorts of... Uh, one that obviously we don't have in fresh water. We obviously don't. But people fall for this. People do. But I think it's just that uh, <laughs> you don't have time to think and you're, you're seeing photo, what you believe is photo evidence of it. And uh, we have photo evidence, the supposed <laughs> photo evidence, as well as that video on our website mm-hmm. at 953wbck.com. I think it's time uh, we take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and traffic. But Jack White... Um is uh, besides that anthem seven nation army that gets played at uh, a lot of the sporting events he's going to be at a big sporting event tomorrow doing something pretty cool yes uh jack white's going to be performing the national anthem this friday which is tomorrow at comerica park for the detroit tigers home opening game and according uh to the free press jack will be playing the star spangled banner with his band that is going to be an awesome performance i wonder which band i i 
I'm going to guess it's uh, the dead weather or maybe the raconteurs because they're supposed to be back together too, I thought. Well, so. he's, well he's been in a lot of different yeah. areas. He's done solo music. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to perform the national anthem with the band. And we were talking a little bit about this uh, before or during the break. Uh, the Detroit Tigers were one of the first organizations in history that had a star-spangled banner that was performed uh, that was different than the traditional form. And uh, we were, it was right before we got back on the air and we were trying to remember, like, what was that performance? But I do remember one of the biggest things about it was that... Um, it wasn't traditional. It wasn't traditional, but Ernie Harwell, uh, the longtime beloved announcer... Jose Feliciano. Yes, uh, that's who it was. I'm trying to remember, what's the regular song? Is it... Uh, what? There's another song of his that was a popular hit, and I can't think Oh, of well, uh, his performance that uh, was controversial was in the 1968 World Series. Oh, okay. And it sparked national controversy. Yep, but uh, again, um, Ernie Harwell at the time came out in support and said that he thought it was a good performance. And of course, we know after that, um, there's been all sorts of uh, unique performances of the Star-Spangled Banner and, and some some memorable ones for all the wrong reasons, like uh, the one Roseanne did that one year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was bad. She thought she was being funny, and everybody took offense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I might have, well, I won't say it. But <laughs> She's done other things, so. I was going to say I might have taken a knee during that performance. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to disrespect the flag, but because she was being disrespectful. But anyway, Jack White will be at the Tigers game doing the, the national anthem tomorrow yeah and uh we're the gonna... game is at uh 110 and uh by 112 a video of jack white and his band performing should be all over youtube <laughs> fingers crossed maybe we'll set the dvr for the Tigers i think game we are tomorrow. because you know i can't take a chance on missing this no and we usually yeah we're not home quite yet uh so we'll we'll make sure we get a chance to see it should be a lot of fun and then of course tigers baseball back uh it was great that they were able to resolve the lockout issues and yeah. Get this thing in and not too long after it was going to start. It's only about a week later and a lot of promise for the Tigers this year. I don't think anyone believes they're going to make it to the World Series, but they could, you know, people do expect them to compete for the division and for a playoff spot at least. So I am excited. I'm excited too because it's uh, just another sign that uh, warmer weather is coming and uh, we will eventually see the sun again. I hope you're right. <laughs> We well we keep getting little peaks of it. Oh, we had that rainbow. Yeah, last night that was yeah. kind of cool. But then I the... saw other people posting. Uh, we've seen all over Calhoun County, uh, many areas. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another area that was uh, pretty far off that I was surprised didn't look to be the same one because you and I got a photo of it last night. It didn't last very long, but no. it was very impressive, and it was even had a little double rainbow going on just a little bit. That one didn't really come together, uh, but the regular rainbow was was bright and spectacular. Well, I think it's time for us to take a break. We'll be back with a look at your weather. There's going to be some new food items in Detroit and Chicago ballparks that look pretty good, but look pretty expensive, too. Yeah, well, I don't know when this started, but uh, apparently now if you have a ballpark, you have to have some crazy food items. Well, I, it's because a lot of people are into these challenges and things like that. Maybe that's some of it or that we just, you know, eat way too much. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yep, the we were just talking about Jack White performing um, in Detroit for the National Anthem. Uh, the Tigers and White Sox opening their baseball seasons. Uh, with the caveat weather permitting, although I th it's looking okay for Detroit tomorrow, I believe. 
Uh, but when you get to the ballpark, either one, Detroit or in Chicago, bring some extra money if you're going to buy some food there. So let's start in the 313. According to the Detroit News, the best new items in the Comerica Park food lineup are Coney Pasties. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Gyro Nachos. Euro Gyro. I know. There's so many different ways to pronounce it. Uh, Hmm. And then uh, something very new, the Notorious (laughs) P.I.G., which says uh, you're going to have to strap a bib on uh, (laughs) in order to eat this and be very hungry. Wow. Coney Pasties. That... That sounds interesting. So, is there hot dog chunks cut up in it too? So, I would think there's there's chili and hot dogs cut up inside, like the. Oh, but what if it's got the onions in it? You know, I'm not a big fan. They might. I don't know. Mm. But they actually, there's going to be a variety of pasties filled with everything from sausage to pierogi. Oh, now I'm on board for the pierogi. And even sweet apple pasties. Oh. Mm. That's basically a handheld apple pie to me. Right. Um, and euros, uh, I'm a big fan of those. Euro nachos, though, that's... So I'm trying to picture that, too. We might, I think we need to go to a Tigers game this year. <laughs> Strictly for, for baseball for purposes. For research purposes, <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, all right, now let's head over to Chicago, where they have the beer cheese sliders. Ooh. Mm. Uh, dry rub smoked chicken wings. Yum. Pretzel wrapped brats. And uh, cheddar pierogies. Okay. Well, yeah. cheddar pierogies, yeah, I'm on board with that. Rainbow cones. Mm. I don't look for rainbow cones. I guess Apparently that's a, that's a South Side favorite for Chicago's fans. So the person who wrote this one, our contributor, is a, knows a lot about Chicago more than I do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say, okay, what is a rainbow cone? Is it? Is that one of those like fruit slushy things? I'm going to guess. You know those ice cones? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you just, uh, you would have different colors like With the syrup rainbow. Syrup in it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now while you could easily put on five or 10 pounds visiting uh, one of these <laughs> ballparks, keep in mind, you'll also be paying major league prices. Yep. In other words, uh, double digits for many of these food items in the neighborhood of $15. Of course, uh, the beer's expensive. The parking's expensive. It does cost a lot to go to a, a game. Yeah. I mean, me and you have done a few, um, and you know, we usually try to get at least affordable seats. You know, we're not sitting like right next to the dugout or something. Do you remember you know? that one time uh, I had a seat where there was something like uh, there was some glass thing that was catching the sun and it was shooting right at my knee? Was that at Comerica Park? It was. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember which time that was that we went, but I had uh, pants on that day. It ended up being a warmer, sunnier day than was predicted, and this was quite a few years back now. Hmm. Um, but even uh, after I put shorts on later that day, you could see like almost a burn mark. And you know what's weird is for me with sports events and even concerts, I kind of like sitting farther back so I can kind of see everything. I feel like if you're up too close, the only one, the only exception, I would like to sit next to the glass at a Red Wings game and oh, hope, yes. hope that a fight happens nearby. Oh, I don't know if I want to fight. I mean, I know the glass can break. It happens from time to time. And I would hate to be uh, that person that uh lady gets hit in the face with a puck. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to cover you in the news the next morning. <laughs> Put it in your sports. Oh, uh, all right. Wow. We've almost made it. Yeah. It's it's almost Friday. It's 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 Friday Eve. There we go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.